Don't buy into the thinking that you are somehow incomplete until you are married. Who you are now is who God has you to be right now. So if God wants you to be single now, you are complete as a single for now. So serve now. Don't wait until you're married to serve. Serve now. All that stuff I said about the people who have the gift of singleness, even if it's just temporary, even if it's just for a year, even if you're dating, even if you're engaged but the wedding's not for a year, you have time now. You have money now. You have resources now. Serve. Join us now for Grace to the Bay as we glorify the Lord Jesus Christ through sound expository teaching by our teacher, Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio outreach of Grace Church of the Bay Area located in San Mateo. If you are blessed by Dr. Chen's message and are looking for a church home, you're invited to come worship with them. Now, here is Dr. Chen. We all have our own spiritual gifts, and we must use them for the glory of God, even if your gift is rare And it's not something that is typically seen in the church, like preaching or music. Use it for God's glory. And it is true that we have created a culture in the American church that pressures singles so much that they react with anger. They react with a lack of self-confidence. And we're almost telling them, you can't serve till you fix that. Church, we need to cut that out. We need to cut it out. On a practical level, we don't want to create a culture where marriage is expected and someone violate all of those items on my list simply because they want to please their parents, please the church, meet unbiblical expectations. I don't want to get married. I have no desire to get married. But people kept, keep sending guys my way. People just ask you, when are you going to get married? So I guess that's the key, Right? That's the key to be accepted in this church. That's the key to finally function. We can't do that, guys. We too must praise God for the variety He has given us in the brothers and sisters around us, including those who God has gifted and called to be single till He meets them face to face. The gift of singleness is a spiritual gift. I don't know about you, but when it's clear that someone has a spiritual gift, I dare not meddle with what God has chosen to do. The second clarification regarding the gift of singleness is that the gift of singleness is a selfless good. Look at verse 8. But I say to the unmarried and to widows that it is good for them if they remain even as I. Paul gets more specific now and refers to the unmarried and widows in verse 25. He will add a third group, which is virgins, which is another term for those who have never been married. And so this covers all types of single people. Together, all three would refer to the whole gamut. Young singles, never married, divorced, widows, widowers, all of them. And he goes further than just saying that he would prefer single stay single. He now says it is good for them to do so. Why? He doesn't just say remain as I because, hey, singleness is great. Because, you know, Paul just spent all his money and time on himself. No, he didn't do that. 
I would imagine if he were living today, he probably wouldn't even know what Netflix was, honestly. At the end of the chapter, he will tell the unmarried that they can focus more on serving God and serving others because they are single. Whereas married people have their time and attention split between ministry and family, that's a good thing. We worship God through that. But the unmarried do not have that added responsibility, and so they can focus on everyone else. And this goes back to the fact that singleness is a spiritual gift. And like all spiritual gifts, you can use it selfishly. Your time, your talents, you can use them selfishly. I'll give you a little clue. I believe I have the gift of preaching and teaching. But it doesn't just come out when I'm speaking spiritual things. It can apply to any topic that I want. And I can use that selfishly. I can use that to manipulate. I can use that to be a guru, self-help guru that makes a lot of money and cheats people out of money. All spiritual gifts can be used selfishly, including, and perhaps especially, the gift of singleness. Part of that spiritual gift are many practical gifts. And sometimes it's hard to, to see this because you've only been in that situation, but you do have more time. You do have more money. You do have more flexibility, which is great because you can use it to travel, night out with the girls every night, binge watch, or you can use it to serve, which is why God made you that way, by the way. Paul is a great example. He's a great role model. We understand and we read, to a certain degree, the intensity of his missionary work. It would have been impossible to do that if he was married and have a biblical marriage. He'd never be with her. Or he would, and he just wouldn't have planted all those churches. He couldn't have done it if he was married. God knew what he was doing. Married at one time, now with the gift of singleness. And there are a couple details in this verse to point out. First, this is not a command. It is a suggestion. A divinely inspired suggestion, as it is Scripture, but it is not a command. There is no imperative here. In other words, it is up to the individual. There is no command in this verse. And secondly, nobody is saying this is easy. Nobody is saying this is going to be easy. Aside from being unmarried, the singling out of widows is very interesting for this point. In Paul's day, widows faced a lot more challenges than widowers with finances, frankly, being the heart of the issue because generally women did not, could not work. They wouldn't be hired. There was no life insurance. There are no retirement funds. You get divorced, your husband dies, you're in big trouble. And hopefully, suddenly a lot of these Old Testament stories are making sense to you, why these women didn't just be on their own. For them, remaining single meant there was nobody to provide in a time when salaries really just existed for men. I mean, even in Proverbs 31, the Proverbs 31 woman, she sells fabrics, but that was really more of a a side hustle. It wasn't a primary income that could have supported her whole family. And I get it that times are different, but the point remains the same. If you have been given the gift of singleness, but you want to marry for the sake of convenience, you might want to rethink your decision. Nobody said this would be easy or comfortable. Just because you have 
extra resources doesn't mean it's easy just to give them all up. And especially if you are no longer in college, and trust me, I've seen this so many times. Man, I I don't think I have the gift of singleness, they say, but I know I'm going to be single for a while. I'm going to use it for ministry. I'm going to use it to give. I'm going to use it to serve. And then, cha-ching, first paycheck. Whoa! Never had that much money in his hands before in his life. They start buying stuff. They start getting tied down to debt, mortgage, way sooner than they should have a mortgage. And then they're stuck. But what's more, I think, is more reality is they have all this time. They don't have to study They're literally done at five and they're home. So what do they do? What do they use their time doing? And then you get so comfortable being selfish, right? And you say, well, that's okay because I don't have a family. I don't have kids. It's me time. No, 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 no. That's not why you're single. You're single because it's God's time. He gave you that time. He gave you that money. He gave you those resources so that you can serve. So don't waste it doing whatever it is that you do. Don't waste it just mulling the idea of marriage. Use your time wisely. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. But it is a blessing and it is a joy. On the flip side, if you see marriage as something that will take away from your free time and ability to have fun then again, you're grossly missing the point. It is a gift that is to be used for the benefit and betterment of others, as is marriage, but we are to serve no matter what place God has put you in. Let me give you a third clarification regarding the gift of singleness. Thirdly, the gift of singleness is a subjective good. You say, wait, 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 we just read this, that it's good in Scripture. How can something that's good in God's eyes be subjective? Well, we've already seen that singleness is a suggestion. It's not a command. It is a gift for some, not all. It's never a command. And even though it may be good for some, it is actually bad, not neutral, bad for others. In other words, this is not a blanket, objectively good thing for anyone who pursues it. In fact, it is plain dangerous in the hands of the wrong people, so it is only subjectively good. It is only good if you have the gift. So in what situations would it be bad? Verse 9. But if they do not have self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. I mentioned last week that the desire to have sex or even a lack of self-control in this area is not the only reason to be married, but it is a biblical reason. And in this specific context is a clear sign that you do not have the gift of singleness. To burn or be aflame in the ESV says is, is referring to sexual desire, sexual passion. An active desire for such things simply shows that celibacy is not for you in this context. Rather than giving in to sins of immorality, whether in practice or just in your own mind, you should seek to get married. This is not a call to get married right now, but it is a call to two things. 
You need to avoid celibacy as a lifelong commitment, understanding you don't have the gift. And second, practice sex biblically. In other words, within marriage with a Christian of the opposite sex. Marriage to a Christian of the opposite sex. That's biblical marriage. Put these two points together. Avoid celibacy as a lifelong commitment and practice sex biblically. And you have what Paul is saying here in the two words, get married. As someone who is single, you cannot live a happy life if you are continually burning with sexual desire. The problem is that our sin acknowledges that this is true and then justifies sexual release in ways that are immoral. Don't do that. Don't do that. In ancient Corinth, the people that Paul is writing to, it would have been hard not to give into temptation because of the prevalence of immorality in the culture coupled with the ease of indulging in such vices. It was a norm in society. Things are very different today. Today, we have the same thing, but with the addition of modern technology that allows convenience, privacy, and ease of access, but also 2,000 years of population growth that allows for more accessibility, more people willing to do it, and anonymity. There are people who have gotten rich so that you can have sex anonymously and find that through your phone. It's hard. The temptation is real. But again, marriage is not commanded. Whether you choose to get married or not, as someone who burns in this way, you need to refrain from immorality. In fact, you must hate it. What about those who find themselves in this situation but have nobody to marry? It's a very good question. I want to give you a few reminders. A few reminders if you clearly don't have the gift of celibacy, but there's no one to marry. Because he says, if you burn, get married. What do you do? But number one, be content. Be content. You don't just muscle your way. I got to be content. How do I be content? This is how you be content in any situation. Talking about singles who want to be married, but there's no one to marry. But this is true of any situation. How do you be content with your wife? How do you be content with your husband? How do you be content with your job, your church, COVID, your new president? It's very easy. To be content, be content thankful. Don't just say thanks. What do you say, little guy? Thank you. No, be (laughs) thankful. Be actually thankful. Understand the sovereignty of God. Be thankful for the fact that I can hear you, that you can speak, that you have a tongue, that you're alive, that you can breathe, that your heart beats. It's just an attitude. Do, Do you really think that when you're really complaining, You're in that mood. Maybe you're cranky. You're tired. Something happened. You're just complaining. Can you honestly tell me that you deserve everything that you have, including the ability to complain, by the way? You just be thankful. Not in a a sarcastic way. Oh, thank you, God, that there's no one to marry so I can have more free time to serve. We do that. Oh, man, you're not. Listen, be careful with that. You're not talking to me because I'm telling you you're thankful. You're, You're talking to God. Be careful. Be thankful. Just start listing it. You know what? List it and say it out loud. You'll stop because your tongue will get tired. Your jaws will get tired. Just there's so much stuff that we take for granted. Clothing. Food. We could go on. You get it. Be content. Number two, 
do not compromise by marrying an unbeliever. We justify it. I've seen it happen many times. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says we are not to be bound to unbelievers. You get older and there's one person interested, they're not a believer, or I would say even if they have wrong theology, you got to be careful, guys and gals. Don't marry an unbeliever. I met this, this guy, and are they a believer? Um, um, no. Uh-uh. Because you know what you're thinking. You're thinking, how do I say he says he is without my pastor and his wife just going, going nuts on me? You know. Don't marry an unbeliever. And here's the thing. You say, of course not. Here's the thing. Strong feelings and passionate desires tend to dull our senses and cloud our judgment, especially when there's a strong desire to be married. you got to be careful. I'll be honest with you. I met my wife on the mission field. She was there for a few weeks, and then she left. And she came from a church that was my, my team leader, supporting church since he joined the field the 20 years before me. But I, I still know who she was. She could have lied to me. Our, our relationship was over emails and Skype. She could have lied. She could, she could have put on a, a good theology for an hour a day, edit her emails. How do I know? So I emailed her pastor. Can you tell me about this person you've probably heard now that we're in a relationship? Is this a good idea? You know who I'm working with. You know where I'm from. You know what I believe. Dig deep. Meet their pastor and make them meet me. We become careless, we become vulnerable because we don't think clearly. Because they say the right things. Finally, someone that has the personality you're attracted to, but also attracted to physically, careful you don't throw away what's most important. Spirituality. Thirdly, trust God to provide, but do your part. I know someone that her greatest desire is to be married and to have children, and she doesn't know any Christian men. Go meet some people. Trust God, but do your part. If you're a guy, ask that girl out. If you're a girl, say yes. Give them a chance. Just dinner. Just coffee. Now's the best time. It's just Zoom. <laughs> know that God in his sovereignty has already picked someone out for you. There aren't plenty of fish in the sea. There's one for you. I dated people that I... When we broke up, I, I was bummed with me. I thought I was going to marry her. And now I'm with the one that God picked out for me, and I am so thankful. With those passions and desires out of the picture, I am so thankful that I didn't pursue marriage with those girls. Trust God to provide, but do your part. Fourthly, until you find the right person, you need to be the right person. And I don't mean just so that you can attract a godly girl or a godly guy. Don't buy into the thinking that you are somehow incomplete until you are married. Who you are now is who God has you to be right now. So if God wants you to be single now, you are complete as a single for now. So serve now. Don't wait until you're married to serve. Serve now. All that stuff I said about the people who have the gift of singleness, even if it's just temporary, even if it's just for a year, even if you're dating, even if you're engaged but the wedding's not for a year, you have time now. You have money now. You have resources now. 
Serve. Don't, don't worry. Don't listen to the, the, the married matchmakers in your church. Just serve. Focus on what you need to be doing. And this leads to the fifth one. Use your singleness well. Again, though you may not have the gift of singleness, you are single now. The greater freedom you have because of more time and money and less responsibility must be used for God's glory. Don't waste it. You know, right now we have a member of our church who hasn't seen his wife in weeks because he's been in and out of the hospital and physical therapy. And because of COVID, no visitations are allowed and her, his wife's handicapped anyways. And so the way they're going to make, him make, make her visit is she can't get to with her walker. Did you know that? But I bet some of you could tell me every plot line of the Mandalorian. Use your singleness for the glory of God. See, this whole thing about you have more time, use it for the glory of the Lord, you know who understands this the most? Those of us who are married. Not that we're not happy, but we realize there's a lot of things we wish we could do that we can't do. And now we look back and we say, man, if all those years that I was single, if only I did more, if only I did this stuff, if only I served, what did I do? What did I do all that time? Video games and videos and just surfing the web. It's just a waste the most valuable resource any of us have is time. You can make money back. You, you, a lot of times you spend money on something like a car repair, they actually pay you back. The insurance company pays you back. You get it back. You can earn more. But time, you're never getting that back. Never, ever. Impossible. Can't do it. People have tried. Found of youth, time machine, that's why we love those movies and stories. But you can't do it. Time wasted is time gone forever. So the point that my friend Gordy made was that even as a married person, his view of singleness revolved around the ability to serve more, not travel, not have free time, not, not have to tell bedtime stories or get a glass of water for his kids. It was for him, his understanding of singleness, my singleness at the time, was all about ministry. That's how we need to think as well. And I understand that it may be hard for single people to get it now, but trust me when I say, you have what we don't in a unique way that is to be used for God's glory. The gift of singleness is a spiritual gift. It is a selfless good, but it's also a subjective good. Yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to widows that it is good for them if they remain even as I. But if they do not have self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us as a church to understand how you have gifted all of us 
married or single, may we encourage each other to excel still more in our own spiritual walks as well as in our service and ministry. For the singles, Lord, give them them a contentedness for those with the gift of singleness. Guard them against the unbiblical pressure and advice they may get from others. Guard them against unbiblical views of marriage. But give them a biblical view of service, sacrifice. For those who are single but desire to be married, give them the same passion to serve you with their time and resources. Give them contentedness in you, gratitude for what you have given them, where you have placed them now. Guard them against the wrong thinking about the ticking of the clock or the views on unbiblical views on marriage. And for them, Lord, may you reveal to them in your perfect timing the one you have for them. Until then, let them and all of us serve to our maximum capability as our time and resources allow. Thank you for that privilege, Lord. Help us to not miss out on it. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. For the next part in this series, join us next week at this same time. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You are invited to join them for worship services in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit gracebayarea.org for service times, directions, live-streamed services, listen to archived sermons, or to make a tax-deductible donation to help keep Grace to the Bay on the air so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Again, that's